The following podcast is brought to you by the Tumbling Saber Powerful Friends community. Become a Powerful Friend today and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, ad-free podcasts, monthly giveaways, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. The Tumbling Saber team is proud to present Worthy of Recognition, a look at the names and faces that make Star Wars an unforgettable experience and an integral part of our lives. Hey everybody, welcome back to the first Worthy of Recognition for 2019. I love doing this show. I am so spoiled to be able to sit here and talk to you guys. And this month, I am sitting with one of our great powerful friends, it is Mr. James McDowell from way out in Utah. James, how you doing, man? Doing great. How are you guys? We are good. Life is good. I'm I'm watching a hockey game. The Habs are winning. I, I can't complain about that. Uh, man, life is uh, life's pretty good right now, all things considered. How how you doing? Just uh, going to school, looking at the Penguin score because you brought it up. <laughs> are you a Pens fan? I am. How does okay? I gotta know. How does are you from Utah? So I actually grew up in Arizona, and I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and we serve missions. Uh, so I actually lived in Pennsylvania for two years. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, so you probably that was probably either during Mario's years or some of the early Sidney Crosby years. Uh, well. I don't know if you know how old I am. I'm uh, 26 years old. And so I was in Pittsburgh about, two, wow, well, it's like eight years ago. So yeah, Sidney Crosby was the yeah. golden boy in Oh yeah, that was, uh, yeah, those, those were, those were uh, Crosby golden years. I can understand why you'd become a Pens fan after that. Yeah, they were the talk of the town. Uh, he's and and he's fantastic. I know people give him a rough a rough ride sometimes for being a bit of a whiner, but I think that's a bunch <laughs> of bunk. And uh, you know, you got to appreciate the greats while we have them. That's right. I mean, I'm sure that every good sports player has their critics, but you got to give him credit. He's really good on the ice. So. Oh, he's so good. Hall of Famer, first ballot, no doubt. If he retires today, there's no question about it. Yeah, but anyway, I don't think people came for the hockey talk as much as I'd like to sit here and talk hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's get into your Star Wars origin story. How did it all start for you? I, and this is what I love. You know, there's people that are my age and older. I have a pretty good idea how they got into the into the Star Wars franchise. But people sure. who are younger than myself, it can go any which way, and that has me really excited. So tell me how you got into Star Wars in the first place. Well, I'm the youngest of seven, and I have six brothers. So wow, we uh, grew up watching Indiana Jones and Star Wars, and I mean, so you all you the... grew up the right way, is what you're saying? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but as a kid, I didn't really form an opinion of my own. I just my brothers were like, "We're gonna watch this," and I was like, "Okay, great." Um. Because my eldest brother is 15 years older than me, so... I see, he's my age. Yeah. He wasn't a huge Star Wars fan, but at the time, 
I feel like everyone had to be a Star Wars fan to some degree. So that's only normal. Um, it's natural anyway, order of things. Yeah. <laughs> so I had my siblings who were very influential to me as I grew up. Um, at about when I was seven years old, uh, that's when Phantom Menace com- came out. So if you uh, feel old, then that's not my fault. But <laughs> <clears throat> it's just a number, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I ended up going to the movie uh, in theaters probably three or four times with my family um, because it was such a big deal at that time. Sure was. Come out. So uh, I grew up with Phantom Menace almost every weekend playing. It ended up being just me uh, watching, but I would watch the Phantom Menace every weekend um, for about a year. Nice. Uh, that was when I had it on VHS even, so it was even more of an experience, I guess. But, yeah, you had to. Yeah, you had to be, have the patience. Imagine, imagine in a day like today where you can just do anything whenever you want. Imagine having to have the patience to sit through three minutes of, of rewind. Yeah, it was it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually looking at my VHS copy of the Phantom Menace right now. I still have it, but I don't even have a VHS player to be honest. So, my, I've got mine buried somewhere. It still works. I, I hook it up maybe once a year just to slap in an old VHS and see if it still does the job, and it does. So I'll I'll hang on to it until it stops doing that. Yeah, they don't make them like they used to. So, so now that uh, the Phantom Menace is on the eve of its twentieth birthday, does that yeah. make you feel old? Is, is this the first of your "I feel old" moments? Oh, <laughs> see, I didn't even put that together. <laughs> You're so welcome. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, it, it really doesn't. I feel like there are other things that make me feel old, like when I hang out with my nieces and nephews and they don't get references that I'm starting to feel like are part of pop culture and they just goes right over their head. So yeah, that's not good. That's when I'm like, Oh man, I'm old. Or they're talking about something and I'm like, what, who is this person that you're so invested in? So that's, that's what I fear. I, (laughs) I fear the day my daughter starts coming home. She's only eight. But I fear the day she starts coming home from school and starts making references and saying things. You know, the kids all make their own little languages and code words. And I have no idea what she's going to be talking about. I I, I fear (laughs) that day. Yeah. So were you a toy collector? Did did you jump into the toy lines as well back in the uh, Phantom Menace early days? Um, not exactly. I, I got what I got basically. Um, my family, we're not poor, but we're not rich. We're kind of the lower middle class. So we didn't get a lot of nice new things, but I do remember having my Jar Jar Binks, um, toys. And I thought those were so cool because he really appealed to the seven and eight year old inside me. Which was me. <laughs> and how do you feel about like Jar Jar now? Because I my stance on Jar Jar has softened big time. As as uh, he wasn't my, I never really hated on him, 
but yeah. I, I knew he was never for me. So I just kind of just dealt with him. But now that my kids are getting into Star Wars, they think he's hilarious. So I've kind of come around on Jar Jar a little bit, and I almost have a soft spot for the guy. But where are you with Jar Jar now? You know, I did go through a phase where I just despised him. Absolutely despised him. Um, Like a teenage revolt type type of situation? Yeah, it was right after um, Revenge of the Sith came out, and I was like, you know, Jar Jar, he's just... If he weren't in the prequels, they would all be so much better. But that's what I thought as a teenager. But now as I'm watching him again, I actually really enjoy Jar Jar as a character. I don't think he is a huge plot driver necessarily. But, you know, he's not annoying like I thought he was. He's annoying, but just not that. (laughs) He's the fun kind of annoying. Right. It's kind of like you endure some moments with C-3PO. Not that I hate C-3PO, but sometimes you just got to get through it with him. Yeah, you got to yeah, just bite your lip, grin, bear it, just, and just wait five seconds because he'll be done. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump in now to uh, your Mount Rushmore of Star Wars. Let's, uh, let's, let's take a look behind James's curtain and see who has shaped his Star Wars oh. life. Uh, I, this, again, this can be in any order you want. It can be random sure. order, or you can go from uh, at least number four all the way up to the most important person. This is difficult for me, um, as I'm sure for most of us. It can be hard to express where the roots of our Star Wars comes from, but... I'm going to go with one of the easier ones on this list and say um, Ralph McQuarrie. Nice. The uh, concept artist, as all of us know. But his art, even though it can't be translated directly into the screen, it's, it is one of the things that I grew up with. We had a Star Wars concept art book that as a kid I thought was super boring, but since I wanted more Star Wars in my life, I would just eat up whatever I could. And so I would go through this old Star Wars concept book and just look at his art. And it really is art. It's it's incredible. So, and... That's one of the things about Star Wars that I really love is there's a lot of um, it's not just a sci-fi movie. It also has the aspects of this new form of art that George Lucas was really driving for. And it's not it wouldn't be the same without Ralph McQuarrie in my mind. So. Oh no, no, not a chance. No, his his artwork is just so imbued into the dna of this galaxy i mean it's it's like john williams music it's it's george lucas's vision vision but it's also raf mcquarrie's concept art yeah for sure and i mean there are other artists who i'm sure contributed to that but just these images that i see even though i don't you don't see them always directly translated onto the screen they're so star wars and i know that some of the visual 
images from Star Wars came directly from him. So now is why I, is this book you're referring to? Is it is it the illustrated Star Wars universe? I believe so. It's got the Cloud City on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I've got that book too. And and you would yeah you would have been a, a, a young guy when that book came out. Yeah. And like I said, it wasn't like my book, but as siblings, you can't stop your younger siblings from getting into your stuff. So. Well, no, and, and any any older brother should do the right thing and let his younger brother have the Star Wars stuff. That's right. <laughs> I did end up getting a lot of older Star Wars toys and books as I grew up just because my brothers were like, oh, we outgrew this. Here you go. So. Oh. And a lot of those are at my parents' house just because they stayed with the room. But I kept a few of them like my original scout trooper that's one of my treasures so yeah those old toys from from childhood are just even even though they can be in just dog crap condition oh yeah you just he's, you just love to hang on to them they, they mean so much more not even white anymore he's just this yellow weird looking guy so <laughs> yeah they, they are worse for wear but that doesn't matter nope he's he's still the best in my mind now, uh, do you have a favorite Macquarie piece? Oh, man. That, that, that's I, a tough one to answer. I really do love the Cloud City concept art. Because um, it's also... I mean, that movie also had so much going with the artwork. Um, and that's partly to do with the director. And because I... I used to listen to the movies all the time with the commentation. And one of the things he said was, um, just like any portrait or landscape, the face of your actor, the face of a character is just as detailed and just as, I don't know, you could say beautiful, but unique as any any landscape so as you watch the movie you can see that he really focused on getting these shots with the actors and getting these big landscape pictures and it's just amazing to me yeah you are not alone ralph mccrory is one of those he's, he's one of those indelible names that my goodness like what would this galaxy look like i'm sure it'd still be cool we'd still love it but it would just look so different and i'm so i in an alternate universe, you know, if there's one out there, I'd love to know what Star Wars looks like there. <laughs> Not as good, that's for sure. Probably, yeah. I think we, I think, uh, I think we got lucky, really, really lucky. Sure. All right, what, uh, what's next? Who's, who's next on your list? Oh man, um, I'm gonna go with Karen Travis. Um. She's the author of Star Wars Republic Commando, as well as many others. Um, but the Republic Commando books were what really kept me going during the Dark Ages, as some may call them. Um, because, as I've said in the past, um, I became really into Mandalorian culture as a teenager. That's I right. Like there was, 
That's right. You're you're our, like our our resident tumbling saber go to guy on on, on Mand- Mandalorian lore. I try to be. <laughs> you're welcome to be because uh, yeah, my I, I have a blind spot there for the Mandos. I'm sure there's a, like Jeff Kelts and Nathan. There are there are like walking dictionaries when it comes to, to the Mandos. I think, but uh, glad to know. I got to keep that in mind. Everybody, take note, James. Big Mando guy. Sorry, James. Go on. No worries. Uh, I feel like partly as a teenager, I really was getting out of my family life and I wanted to find another group to be a part of. And I wasn't super popular in high school, partly because I loved Star Wars so much. Um, and so I found this um online forum of other Mandalorian fans and that's where I spent most of my time was talking about these books by Karen Travis and talking about Mandalorian culture um and I really I'm still friends with some of those guys even though that forum was shut down and we're just brothers that's awesome Mandalorian so I feel like her writing though was so I know it's technically not canon, but to me, that's what really made Star Wars come to life, was seeing this new culture in Star Wars that I could identify with. That's, so it, that's awesome. It really kind of made it part of who I am rather than, you know, just something that I'm into. That's so cool. It's it's so interesting to see the different things that people really dig into. Because there's so many different pockets of this galaxy that you can sink your teeth into, whether it's the Mandalorians or whether it's just there's a lot of Imperial sympathizers out there. There's a lot of people who are just hardcore into Jedi. That's that's awesome. So what are you what are your feelings then on uh the Mandalorian TV show? Uh it looks amazing already. <clears throat> they've done a lot of justice to the armor already. Um, it it looks very well done. Um, I'm also I follow several Mandalorian armor making pages, and there's some pretty bad stuff out there. So <laughs> uh, I'm just glad they are taking it serious with their props. I mean, I feel like Disney and Star Wars in general. They don't go lightly on props and designing and stuff. So Yeah, they don't skimp out, do they? At the very least, we will get a good-looking TV show. That's what I think. Now, is it is this show, The, the Mandalorian, is it number one on your list of things to come? Is that what you're most excited for? Besides Episode 9, I would say the Mandalorian is right there because, and I love the Clone Wars, but when they changed a lot of what I considered to be Mandalorian culture into this pacifist type, um, I don't even know the, the, I feel like the Mandalorian arc in Star Wars kind of earned the Clone Wars really upset me for a long time. And now I've come to grips with the fact that, you know, it's a gigantic universe. And so I can believe what I want is still there. 
Nobody's going to come and take your books away, right? Nope. They're definitely not. So, you know, I, I really feel like, um, the Mandalorian is a chance for this culture to come out as a bounty hunting vigilante, kind of a neutral character who we, we may or may not see comes in as a hero from time to time. So I'm excited. Yeah, they, they, they're, they seem to be the perfect candidates to walk that line between or just to, just to be morally ambiguous, right? Oh, yeah. They frequently um, Mandalorians found themselves fighting each other. Well, according to legend. "Quote unquote." Well, we saw, we, we saw that anyway, right? In Clone Wars, we saw or, or Rebels, we saw clans going after each other and bl- bad blood between this group and that group. That's right. So it's not like the man, and that's what I liked about Mandalorian culture is there's no central group. I feel like because of its widespread influence, and also it's. It's really, I'm sorry, I'm confusing myself, but um, it really can take on its own life for each person, and that's what really attracts me to it. So, yeah, yeah, I've you know, the, I always had difficulty. Like, I don't, I don't understand the history and the culture of it, and and I'm sure the the upcoming show and Clone Wars season seven will help to clear that up. Um. I, I lost my train of thought. That's that's awful of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. I feel kind of out of it today. So yeah, no, I just yeah, I I just didn't know what they were going to be doing with the Mandalorians, but they they are uh, distinct enough, I think, and neutral in some respects that you can do you can set them off in this part of, in a certain part of space and have them just have their own self-contained little galaxy within the galaxy and just do all kinds of stuff there. And it doesn't have to tie into anything. They can just do their own thing there. And that, I, I hope one day we get to uh, visit them on that level. Yeah. I, I really think they have a good opportunity for that with the new Mandalorian TV show. And what, what about Clone Wars? The uh, season seven of Clone Wars. Are you looking forward? I, I think we're getting Siege of Mandalore. I don't know if that's been officially confirmed, but it seems likely that we will get that. How could it not be? I mean, that was one of the few aspects of Clone Wars that really left me hanging. Even though I wasn't a huge fan of that Mandalorian arc, I just, I needed a conclusion. Um, But yeah, I really think that they are taking it to Mandalore. So, Oh, that's going to be so, so cool. For so many reasons. (laughs) If you've ever read the... the, uh... Ahsoka novel, the first, the epilogue really, or sorry, the prologue deals with the Siege of Mandalore, but it's not in depth by any stretch. So if if they're going to incorporate um, what E.K. Johnston wrote into Clone Wars Season 7 and expand it and really uh, do a deep dive on it, we are going to be super happy just to see that play out, to have Ahsoka's story continue. It's It's going to be so fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome. I hope we see that. So you had your Republic Commando books, which I know a lot of people are crazy about. Um, yep. 
There was five of them, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, there were four Republic Commandos and one Imperial Commando. If I'm thinking straight. Okay, that's pretty. Oh, cool. I did not. I, I I knew there were five books, but I didn't. Or I knew that she had written five books, but I didn't know they broke down that way. That that's awesome. Uh, was there like a, a through line through the the five books, or were they all sort of self-contained? Yes. So they they followed a group of commandos who had been trained by Mandalorians, um, and it kind of shows how the army works for the commandos and what they're going through as they lose their, you know, squad mates and how it all ties together in the end, I think is actually really great. And I wish we could have seen more, but, um, it taught me a lot about, I mean, not anything specific, but just about the culture and the military as well. So, Oh, that's fantastic. I, you know what? I never made a lot of time for Legends, especially once they decided to kill Chewie, that was it for me. Yeah. And I never read a single word once I knew what they were doing in that book. But it sounds like there's some books that I, I should make some time for, at least to learn the Cole's Notes version and just figure out what happened in those books. Because it sounds like I missed out on a bunch of cool stuff. Even if you only read the first one, I feel like it gives you enough of a peek into Mandalorian culture that you won't be, you know, shooting in the dark or look but, like a fool when it comes up. Did Not they completely, did they totally wipe the history and culture of the Mandalorians from, from Canon when they did uh, the clone wars and rebels? Is that, is it all gone? Um, that's hard to say. Um, I mean, we originally thought that Django was the last Mandalorian, if you recall. Jasta Mareel or something, something like that? Is that, is that yeah. Does that have anything to do with it? But, well... Uh, <laughs> it sounds like it's complicated. <laughs> it, it's complicated for me. I I have my own opinions that, especially because of what we'd already talked about, is there are Mandalorians everywhere. It's more than a bloodline it's a group of people who are loyal to each other more than anything um and so to say that they're wiped out or to say that one group is central it's it doesn't fit with my head canon so i just have a hard time saying that anything gets erased with mandalorians and that's how i you know that's how i function but I know it's not necessarily true. Hey, whatever we have to do to get through the day, right? Right. <laughs> all right, and so we got Ralph. Oh, go ahead. And sometimes in Star Wars, especially as we all know lately, there's been a lot of hate for The Last Jedi um, and Solo, in fact. But I just feel like it is what you want it to be. If I don't like something, I don't have to dig into it but there are other aspects of star wars and that's one of the great things about it that i can still hold on to exactly like what happened to being a well-adjusted grown-up about things like, <laughs> if you don't like it just you know have, have your say 
close like turn the chapter move on yeah i i i mean that's that moves across star wars because there's a lot of uh hatred in the world in general so can't we all just understand that there are differing opinions and move on apparently not <laughs> yeah we can only help but all right so we've got ralph mccrory and karen travis that's right who is next up on the list this one's hard um so i'm gonna say that this is gonna tie for first uh i'm gonna say mark hamill yeah uh, he is more than just, you know, Luke Skywalker to me now. He has all this voice acting. He's in um, all sorts of TV shows now. And it's just, I really love to see that he finally is getting some recognition now that The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens have brought him back to the forefront of people's minds. Um, at least, you know, in the larger media. Um, but I follow him on Instagram and Twitter, and he seems like a genuinely good person. And to me, that makes a huge difference. Um, to know that not only is he a hero on screen, but he can also be a hero off screen. It does um, make a huge difference because you're you're right. Like there's that saying to don't meet your heroes, which is kind you know kind of what the Last Jedi is about in, in certain respects. Sir, sure. and uh, you know, like Ray wasn't very thrilled when she met this mythical <laughs> Jedi hero, but Mark Hamill seems to be like an absolute authentic gem. Yeah, and kind of like we said, I don't agree with all of his opinions, but I respect him, and he is respectful. And that means a lot to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's all you can ask. If we all agreed on everything, it would be a pretty boring world. And I know a lot of things do get contentious. But hey, look, we, we all have these platforms in which to share our thoughts and views. And if, boy, if we just did so a little more respectfully when we disagreed, I think we'd all be a lot better off. And I think Mark Hamill is a really good example of that. Yeah, for sure. And not to mention, um, I mean, he's just, he's so good with the fans. Yes. He's so, so good. I, he went overlooked for so long and just written off as like the guy who got stereotyped because or typecast because he was in he was Luke Skywalker and we'll never see him again. But he's right. had such a great, great career. And I think his voice acting can really testify to that, even though he, you know, he wasn't in a lot of things for a long time. He did stick with it. And now we're seeing him a lot more. Um, which I appreciate. I, I'm finding him in things I didn't know he was in. So, for example, I'm watching uh, my whole family. We love Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. I ha So I watched that during its original run, and I, I fell off. I th it's only three seasons, but I fell off at some point after uh, after Oppa was kidnapped, actually, which broke my heart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but to that point, I did not realize, and he was in it at that point. It, it just it didn't dawn on me. I was too dumb to realize it. But now going through the whole series again on Netflix, I'm like, hey, that sounds like Mark Hamill. So, I, of course, IMDb, my best friend. Check it up. Mark Hamill is the Fire Lord. There he is again. Isn't it amazing? 
it's crazy. He shows up everywhere, and I'll like I'm watch I'll watch Disney Junior with my kids, and there he is as Gadfly <laughs> on Miles from Tomorrowland or Captain Cold on Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Like he's everywhere. Yep, and I think he had to do that to survive in some ways. He had to be relevant in some way, and so he used his talent to stay part of this world of you know entertainment yeah and i mean his, his by far his biggest role is i mean aside from skywalker is is the joker which he picked up oh, yeah what, in 90 91 or 92 with the animated series so he, and he's, he's good he's, very he's fine well on for that so it's you know, i just it's ordered that today <laughs> i can't wait to get the, that the Batman series? <laughs> Batman Animated. I just ordered that today on Blu-ray, so I hope to get that later this week, and I'm going to jump so far into that. <laughs> I don't understand how he does what he does, but, I mean, that's any voice actor. They just have talent that I don't understand. Talent um, and hard work and dedication. Oh, yeah. That's that's what it is. I mean, you know, we, I think, you know, whether you're talking about pro athletes or actors and we might, we just go, oh man, what a natural gift they have. And of course the talent is there, but it's, I don't think we see the dedication behind the scenes that they just, they have this discipline to just do yeah. the hard work to become elite. I'm looking at his, uh, discography or not discography, but, uh, his work right now is filmography and he is in so much as a voice actor. It's just insane. Um, so I see there's a lot that I love about Mark Hamill, and that's why he's up there with the greats for me. Have you met him? No, and that is one of the things that I hope to do one day. Um, here in Utah, we have the Salt Lake Comic Con. Yeah. Um, which is getting pretty big now. So I'm hoping one of these days we'll a guest appearance yeah that i mean the, the uh, salt lake comic-con that's i mean that's that's right well it's not quite san diego but it's it's got to be number two yeah they had a big um they had a huge legal battle over the name over the past couple of years um so they're with san diego com san diego comic-con so they're um, yeah competition for sure at least there's the I, I you know what I think every city has a con now. Yeah. Now that you know pop culture and geek culture is so so prevalent and dominant really. Yeah. I, I I don't know if when I was even your age or even younger when when I was a kid. There was San Diego, there was New York, and I'm sure the big cities had their cons. But now it seems like everybody has a con. It it is pretty uh, widespread now, and. I'm not I'm not opposed to that. I just feel like it's harder to get big names at smaller cities or smaller conventions. Yeah, so. for sure. I yeah, I would I would love to meet Mark Hamill. That's that one that's a must. I've got to find a way to make that happen at some point in my life. He came to Toronto Comic Con or Tor Fan Expo Toronto in 2017, I want to say. Yeah, and that's a five-hour drive, a six-hour drive, plus all the expenses. So I couldn't, I couldn't justify it. Right. But believe you me, if he if he comes to Montreal, <laughs> I will sit out in the cold for a week 
<laughs> in order to get in line. Like I, I won't yeah. miss that. Well, that's one of my friends. Um, he really loves Marvel. And so uh, he actually got to see Stan Lee a couple years ago. And he still talks about that. Um, and I, I want to have an experience like that with Mark Hamill or, you know, any of the main characters would be great, but he's obviously my top choice. Yeah. Like I, I've met a bunch, but Mark Hamill would be, would be something else. Like that's Luke Skywalker. That's my hero. That's my guy. You know, like for so many of us, he is the hero of, of our youth. That's right. And there, there, there would be no bigger pleasure than to, to get them shake the guy's hand and thank him for what he's meant to us. Same. All right. So drum roll. Number one on your list. We've got Ralph McQuarrie at number four, Karen Travis at three, Mark Hamill. You're loopholing here. You got you got a tie for one, but Mark Hamill, and now your absolute top is? Oh, man. You put a lot of hype into that. <laughs> I really hope this Bring it home, James. I want to. You know, my top person for Star Wars is Ben Burt. Wow. He is the sound director of star wars and to me star wars with the music right next to it is the sound effects um there are sounds in star wars that were made for star wars and are so key to it that you can't take them out they are part of the universe now they're baked and right in that's right just that's like the music just like the stories, it's it has to be the right sound. And I was just telling my wife about this when I was uh, going over my top four. Um, if the movie doesn't sound right, it just doesn't make it. And Star Wars sounds like you're there. And I believe wholeheartedly that Ben Burt was one of the men who made that happen. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, he's he's one of the huge names. When we talk about especially the OT, mm-hmm. Lucas, of course, and Gary Kurtz, Kirshner, you know, Lawrence Kasdan, but Ben Burt is right there. It, it, he's right near the top of that list. Uh, I, I remember listening once again to the commentary, and Ben Burt was talking about... Um, making some of the sounds of Star Wars. And he would just go out, walk around the town, and record things that he found. And then he would take them back, and he would play them in his studio and mess with the sound. But, you know, that type of sound editing almost got me into the movie business just because I was so fascinated with that Um that dedication and hard work. I mean, the the sound that a laser makes or a blaster makes when it's going off comes from, you know, power lines. Who would have known? But Ben Burt, he's my number one. That's amazing. I, I've got a pal who, I've, I haven't seen him in years, but he's he's in video game production. 
uh, and he's a, he's a sound designer specifically, and he did he would do the same things. And I don't know if if Ben Burt influenced him at all, but he would everywhere he went, he'd have a microphone, like a little pocket microphone. Yep. And if he just if something caught his ear, like he would literally look at you, look at you and go, "Do that again." You know, like what? Just like if you did something with your your TV remote, the way you press that button, like just something yeah. about the way you, the friction would make a sound. He's like, "Play that again," and he'd record it. You know, it just random things that you just don't think of at all catches here and go, I got to, I got to capture that. Well, and that's what makes some of the movies and games we play so real is when there's real sound from our world playing in our ears and our brain, you know, it, it hears that it can't necessarily pinpoint where it's coming from, but it tells us, Hey, that's real. And so it tricks us into thinking this is happening. And that's one of the things about the original trilogy that, I mean, the sound and the real props, everything was done just perfectly. Don't you love it? Like when you, you've watched Star Wars so much and like the whole saga is kind of cooked into your head. And then you, you pick up on these little minute sound effects in other TV series or other movies and go, hey, that's a, that's a Star Wars sound effect. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Whether it's the Falcon's engines that you hear in another movie. I, I can't remember the movie now, but for sure you hear it uh, like lightsaber things or, or whatever it is. You go, that's that's got to be taken from Skywalker or Star, yeah, Skywalker sound or something. That's a Ben Burt sound effect. And that always excites me when I start up a movie or game or whatever and there's a Lucasfilm Productions, I go, oh, here we go. This is going to be good. Exactly. Uh, what f- favorite sound effects? Um, I have to say lightsabers. The the hum and the startup sound, it's probably the most iconic aspect of Star Wars. But um, blasters, Darth Vader's breathing... Uh, I also really love the um, TIE fighter sound. It's probably one of my favorite noises in Star Wars. Would you call it iconic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say TIE fighters, as far as, like, vehicles, it's one of the most iconic sounds. I I tend to agree. (laughs) I hope Corey listens to this. Man, Uh, Corey. You know know what's... um... One thing that I find interesting is if you're Ben Burt and you're designing the sound. So for us, when we hear a lightsaber ignite, it's as normal as breathing. Right. It sounds natural. It sounds right. When he does it, it's a, it's a new novel sound. And he's got to be he, – he, obviously, he's kind of QAing the whole thing and, and evaluating, is this the right fit for this device? Like – to him, it's not normal. Right. At least I, 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 this is me projecting. Like, it can't be normal, right? Like, it's, he's got to go, ah, I don't know about this. It sounds too this or that. Okay, but let's, we're going to go with it. And then, <laughs> and then, of course, it becomes one of the great sound effects in, in cinema. I think there are definitely some sound effects that he probably wasn't satisfied with that everyone loves. But... He probably also had enough time and 
when he was originally on the set to just make up what he wanted. Um, and I think some of those sounds come through really well. And sometimes, you know, as a creator, somebody else has to say, no, that's good. You just got to go with it. So he might think that it's not great, but to us, it's become our our lives in a sense. So Absolutely. I mean, they've, they've become as synonymous with Star Wars then as anything. Like, try and picture a lightsaber not making that snap hiss sound. Just doesn't work. Yeah. It just it, and it doesn't make sense. None of it computes. It's gotta fit. That's right. Great list, James. I love it. I I Thanks. love the uniqueness. I don't I can't recall. I don't know if you're the first to bring Ben Burt, but you if you're one of the few, you might be one of two people to bring Ben Burt to the table. So that that's awesome. And Karen Travis, that is also an out of left field pull. So great job, dude. Thank you. I don't didn't go out of my way to do that but they did make all the difference so no that's and that's the great thing is that we all have different stories and inevitably every time i do a show like this people bring something different to the table some are some are people that we've heard of like mark hamill and we all have reasons for that but others are my wife or a karen travis it's it's fantastic that people can bring these stories, these very unique stories to the table every month. I, I love it. So, James, thanks you, thank you so much, for, for first of all, for being a powerful friend and supporting us and, and being a member of the community. And also thanks for, for making time on uh, Tuesday night in your busy schedule to, to be with us. Hey, it's my pleasure. I really love you guys. I love the Tumbling Saber. The community here has really come to replace that Mandalorian forum that I had because you know I've been kind of a lone wanderer in this Star Wars wilderness for a while and I finally found a place where you know we have differing opinions at times but we all can respect each other and we have a genuine love for this universe and that's what makes the difference for me. Well, we are we are honored by your presence, and I, I I can't thank you enough. And we're all look, we're all we're all buds. We're all just trying to enjoy this thing together, and uh, you know we all come at it from slightly different angles and and have a different worldview on things. But that's what makes this go around. That's what makes this all super interesting. And and I'm glad you're here with us. And uh, thanks again, man. This is this has been a lot of fun, and I hope you guys out there have have enjoyed it. So James, uh, aside from the from the Facebook group. Where can people find you? You're on. You are on Twitter, right? I am. I'm not active on Twitter, um, but I'm on Twitter. All right, everybody. Just... We're going to change that. We're going to let's James. What's your Twitter handle? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I'm going to say Grunt <laughs> Trooper because that's what all my accounts are. So Grunt let Trooper. It. Let me. See. I'm going to try this right now. Grunt. True, I can't type tonight. Hey, there I am. There yeah. you are. How am I not following you? What is this? Fix that. I don't use Twitter really. <laughs> Everybody, I am on Instagram. Um, that's where I post a lot of Star Wars things on my story. Um, if you want to follow me at scruffy looking underscore scrubs on Instagram. Um, I just got 
like 24 pairs of Star Wars socks for Christmas. So you'll see a lot of those. And uh, every week or about every week, I post on my Instagram story that I'm watching Star Wars and I do some commentary and stuff like that. It's funny to me. It might not be funny to you guys, but <laughs> if you're interested, feel free. I'm always on there. So, Well, we definitely have some people here who, who are on Instagram, and they will. I'm sure they will look you up. But also everybody, we look up Grunt Trooper on Twitter, and let, let's haul James out of Twitter hibernation. Let's pull him into the Twitter cesspool. Bye, <laughs> mommy. All right, James, thank you so much for being here. Uh, have yourself an awesome weekend, sir, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk again very, very soon. Sounds good.